Welcome back to the Katie Flea Show. Today I have a very, very special guest and a longtime friend joining me, Cassie Heidenreich. Did I get your last name right? Yeah, you definitely got it right. If you say it properly, you can taste a little beer on your tongue. Right, Heidenreich. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I always feel like I totally butcher your last name, but... You do great. Oh, I have known Cassie for years, and she is one of those people that I just absolutely adore her face off. And I know that after this episode, you are going to feel the same way. So I'm going to actually turn it over to you, Cassie. Kind of just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do, where you're from, and then we'll get into today's episode. Yeah, we have known each other a long time, Katie, and... Um, I think it's been, gosh, I want to say, I want to say almost 10 years when you were working it out of one of your closets. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I've been coming to you for a long time. I've always loved your fitness program. I adore you. I, I've watched your business just explode and I think you've got a lot to offer people. So that's why I love doing coaching with you also on the business side. Yes, girl. Um, but the name of my business is Elevate and Shift. Um, my sales, my, I've, I've had a sales background for the last 18 years, um, working for smaller companies, million dollar companies, all the way up to fortune five companies. Um, and sales has been my entire career. I left my job four months ago and I've been coaching business life and mindset for the last almost five months now. So, um, just love elevating others and, and helping them find their greatness. Amazing. And just in case I forget to ask at the end, where can people find you on social media? Oh, you're so sweet. Um, it's it's elevate underscore shift on Instagram. Very cool. Very cool. So make sure you go give her a follow. She's got a lot of great stuff. Um, so today, Cassie and I are going to discuss imposter syndrome. And I'm telling you, she is the queen of talking about this specific topic, which I know so many of you listening to can probably relate to. I know I can for sure. So really quick, Cassie, like what is imposter syndrome? Yeah, I guess the first thing that I would ask you is, you know, um, are you someone who's not accomplishing your goals that you've set for yourself? Or maybe you start things and don't finish them, or, or maybe you don't even start them at all. Or maybe you're accomplishing things and people are telling you what a great job you're doing and, and you're feeling and you're not feeling accomplished. So, or maybe you're not feeling worthy. Um, so what is imposter syndrome? Essentially, it just refers to an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. Mm-hmm. So to simply put that imposter syndrome is the experience of feeling like a phony Mm. You feel as if at any moment you're going to be found out as a fraud, like you don't belong where you are, or that you only got there through dumb luck. So it Mm. means feelings of inadequacy despite evidence of success. Mm. And quite honestly, Katie, this is something that is extremely prevalent in high achievers. Sure. Like I said, I've experienced this, in fact, even just recently, And, um, it shows up in ways that, well, for instance, like this podcast, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like imposter syndrome is one of the main reasons I put this podcast off for so long, you know, cause it's like, who am I to start a podcast? Like nobody's going to listen to me. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, oh yeah. mm. Oh, I know. It's the, who am I question, right? Right. That is like, 
that is absolutely imposter syndrome right yep. there. Yeah. Yep. So tell us a little bit then, Cassie, about like the history of imposter syndrome. Yeah. So the history of imposter syndrome, essentially, um, you know, it was brought to light in the, in the late seventies by psychologists who spent years counseling highly accomplished professionals. Okay. People with imposter syndrome struggle to internalize accomplishments. And so, um, you know, it's not a psychological disorder. Mm -hmm. Over 70% of people in the U S report that they've experienced this at least once. Mm. Um, it, it occurs in men as equally as it does women, yep. um, high achievers, as I mentioned, it, it occurs in people with new jobs or new roles. Yeah. Um, this one really stands out to me. First generation individuals, mm. immigrants, um, first in their family to go to college Ooh, wow. or first in your family to hold a job, mm. minority or marginalized populations. Because research shows that these folks get it much worse than others because they have to fight so much harder to rec to be recognized. Yeah. Um, and it definitely impacts um, successful and self-aware people. Mm. Yeah. So that's actually, that was kind of my next question is like, is there certain types of people that you see that it does impact more? Yeah. I mean when you look at immigrant populations, right. And, and a company that I just came from, it was a minority business enterprise. So I worked with lots of people who were first generation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times some of the people that I worked with were the first in their families to go to college. Mm -hmm. And so when you come from that, a lot of their parents were working, um, some of them were working like um, agriculture jobs. Some of them were working warehouse jobs. And when you leave the nest and do something greater than what your upbringing has showed you, mm. um, sometimes the thought process is, well, why isn't this good enough for you? Ooh. Why you, you almost are looked at as, well, why is our life not good enough for you? And it's, it's the yes. opposite of how I was raised, where I was raised, like you go to college, no questions asked, right? Mm. Some people don't really have that support. Right. Um, and so, you know, you're starting a new job. You got that job because you were completely capable of doing it. But when you get to the job, you feel like you've got to be amazing on day one and you're, you got to give yourself some grace. You got to give yourself yeah. time to like learn. Um, so it, it's just, Gosh, it really can just surface in so many aspects of our life. I, I can tell you people who go to the gym for the first time. Yeah. You literally walk into the gym. If you don't know what you're doing, you think everyone's like, well, what, what is that she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. Whereas I am someone who goes to the gym and I see someone new who walks in and I am intentionally sending them good energy. Like, good for you. Yeah. You know? Yes. Good for you. Yes. So. I get that a lot too. And I'm sure you understand just like with my fitness clients, you know, people that feel like honestly, they're starting over whether they were, you know, they used to be in shape at one point in time in their life, or maybe they've never stepped foot in a gym. They feel a lot of that imposter syndrome starts to come up for them because they're like, they just, they feel like they don't belong, you know, yeah. like they step foot yeah. in the gym and they're like, whoa, I should not be here. You know what it's yeah. like. And then Katie, with all of the things that we have with social media right now, yeah. everyone's life is perfect online. Right? Yes. And mm. so 
you know, you see the mom that's throwing the birthday party with like the balloon mm. arches and they've crafted everything. And I'm sitting over here like, I, I just, I don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, I don't have time for that. So a lot of times it shows up in our personal lives. Like yeah. we think that everybody else has it together and that's just not actually true. It's not. Oh my gosh. Is it not? Mm. Yeah. So how, how would you say imposter syndrome actually develops? So this is really interesting. I, I take this all the way back for myself and I'm going to give you my personal story. Yes, please. um, There's three of us girls that, that I have two sisters. I'm the middle child. I have my older sister and my younger sister. And it kind of starts, it can start from childhood essentially. Mm -hmm. So Like if you look at the sibling set and maybe this doesn't apply to you, but this is just one way, right? So siblings, you got maybe the smart child, maybe things came so easy to you. So anytime you had to actually work at something, it was proof that you weren't smart, right? Mm. Or maybe um, you weren't the smartest one in your sibling set, but you get pitted against the smarter sister or the smarter sibling. Like, why can't you just be as great as your brother or your sister at school, right? We all have that. Katie, I know you have siblings. I was going to say that lands. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, when you're, um, you know, and then my younger sister, she was just a hard worker. You know, things didn't always come easy to her and she worked really hard and you came to believe that only through extreme hard work could you achieve anything. So if you look at the way imposter syndrome works in that circumstance, if you're not working hard, you're not achieving anything. If Mm. it's not absolutely miserable for you and you're not working 60 hours a week, you are not successful. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. Wow. So, you know, I'm the middle child too. And I felt every word that you just said, you know? Yeah. Well, what was your circumstance? Like what, how would you describe your, your sibling set? Yeah. So, and actually I just recorded a podcast with my husband about this very thing. When I was growing up school, book smarts did not come naturally to me. I was, you know, I had to work so hard for, you know, those C's, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then, you know, you've got my brother who is a freaking, you know, college professor. He, you know, so (laughs) smart. And so I felt a lot of that, um, just in my childhood. I mean, I would be teased, not in a, not in a, like a vindictive way or a vicious way, but just like, you know, teased at my grades or, or how much of a struggle math was or, or reading comprehension skills were like, I was teased about that kind of stuff still am to this day. Um, and I do think a lot of that imposter syndrome probably started as a child. Yeah. So in, in my circumstance, um, you know, I was, I was a gymnast from the time I was two and a half to, you know, 13, like sports came easy to me. I wouldn't say that I was a straight A student, but I was in honors classes. Mm -hmm. So things came easy to me in that sense. Whereas my older sister, I mean, she just unapologetically like did things right when that was terrifying to me and she would just do them whether she knew she was going to succeed or not. And then you had my younger sister, like I said, who was just this extreme hard worker. Um, but what they didn't know and, 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 you know, they looked at me as maybe the smart one or things came easily to me, but what they didn't know is that I admired them because, you know, they just went for things that they didn't know if they were going to succeed or not, Mm -hmm. which 
you know, for me showed up in my life. Um, I just left my job, right? right? I just left my job and started something that was extremely scary to me because yeah. I had all of these limiting beliefs that I, I wasn't going to win or I wasn't going to succeed. And, mm-hmm. um, I only did things that came easy to me. So, yeah. um, you know, for me personally, that's how it showed up in my life. Yeah. And it like, it, it, it can start as a child, but it also, it kind of carries with you even into adulthood. For sure. Yeah. And you know, Katie, one other thing is, um, you know, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't have support in your family. Um, maybe you didn't have a lot of support from parental or adult figures and your achievements and accomplishments were methods of survival. So mm. you internalize your accomplishments, like to internalize your accomplishments feels really difficult because survival is always in the forefront of your mind. So, right. You know, I work. I worked with a client who grew up very poor yeah. in a trailer park, and she now owns this successful medical practice. Right. And, you know, she was working seven days a week and convinced she was a failure. Wow. So, um, you see what I mean by high achievers? Totally. It's like you have to achieve in order to be viewed as like worthy, almost. Like you're just constantly having to prove yourself. I should say. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, um, one other thing I'll say, and I think this is probably something a lot of people can relate to, um, imposter syndrome with your level of education. Ooh, yep. Bingo. I can't even tell you how many people I coach that do not have a four year degree and they think that they're failures, that they're not good enough or that they can't add value or they can't speak up. Somebody just, I just spoke with a woman the other day. She works with um, a team of attorneys. She doesn't have a four-year degree or a law degree. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't feel like she can speak up in meetings because she doesn't have value because she doesn't have a four-year degree. Oh, wow. And think about those people that feel like they can't get started unless they have some sort of right. education or, yeah, I mean, wow. it's prevalent. And I hear people with master and master's programs, this is absolutely prevalent, especially in women and master's programs. Of course. Mm, That makes sense for sure. So like, what are some behaviors or thoughts or like characteristics in developing imposter syndrome? Yeah. Okay. So if you're listening, I want you to literally like raise a hand right now (laughs) for yourself. This resonates for you. Mm -hmm. You typically have high level of achievement. tendency to deny ability and attribute your success to luck mistake overwork or the result of a relationship Mm. you discount praise i think i don't know anybody who can't like raise their hand on that one yeah and by the way these check all i check all of these yes right right yeah you have a fear of failure Mm -hmm. you're not feeling intelligent How about perfectionism? (laughs) It's got to be perfect from the start, right? I'm always the, let's build the Cadillac. Like, I I can't just build a Chevy. I have to build the Cadillac first, right? right? Right. Or it's not a win. Mm. Overworking or self-sabotage. A strong need to please others. You're experiencing a lot of self-doubt. Wow. So, like, yeah, check, 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 check. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody listening to this right now has experienced that on some sort of level or another. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, Katie, like that may not resonate for some people because sometimes you can't really see from the outside looking in that you're overworking. You may just think if you're listening to this and you're like, well, maybe I have it here. Here are some clues that you might have imposter syndrome. Yes. Perfect. Catastrophic language is a huge indicator. You might say things to yourself like, I'm a train wreck, or if this doesn't happen, it will destroy me, or, you know, you have that catastrophic language, like, it'll never happen for me, or I, you know, just, it's that downward viral language. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. No, that I'm just agreeing with you. I totally get that. Yeah. You downplay your skills. So this is something that I... I have, like, I've had a lot of thought around this lately, okay? So bear with me for a second. You downplay your skills because we were all taught to be humble, right? Mm, Okay. So when you do a great presentation and you come off the stage and someone says, wow, that was really powerful. You did a great job. And you say, well, I could have done better at X, Y, and Z. You just focus in on the negative. It's like... You downplay because you've been taught your whole life to be humble. Right. Katie, I got to say right now, like, we need people to stop being so humble. We need leaders. We need leaders to speak about their strengths. Wow. Right? Yeah. We need that. So, you know, I, yes, be humble and, you know, don't brag about, you know, (laughs) don't go out and, I just bought a brand new car, you know, like material things, but absolutely but it's not a bad thing to accept the compliment (laughs) okay i'm gonna divulge one other thing right here yes just one other little tip right here because i am so passionate about this i look at the world as a give or taker situation right Mm -hmm. um if you shut someone's compliment down you have denied them the right to give to you which makes you a taker oh Like, let that sink in for a second. I literally just got full body chills, Cassie. I'm telling you, Katie, like, if you look at, like, if you look at circumstances like that, like I had coffee with a friend recently, she had pointed out, Cassie, you bought coffee the last time you hosted me at your house. Let me buy coffee this time. And I stopped her and I'd like, I I just had everything in my body. It was just like, no, 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 but let me buy. Right. But then I had thought to myself, who am I to deny my friend the right to give to me? She has so graciously allowed me to give to her. I'd be a taker if I didn't let her give to me. Whoa. So I feel like everybody needs to go back and listen to the last 30 seconds of Cassie, what she just had to say, because that perspective shift right there, game changer. Game changer. Game it takes changer. the guilt out of those situations, right? It takes the guilt out of overdoing it for someone right or over or not not being a good receiver not being Mm. a good receiver makes you a taker yes wow that is so powerful and I've honestly never had anybody put it into perspective like you just did makes so much sense I got way off track too because well that's okay that's all right so let's come back to imposter syndrome and for those that are listening like are are there specific ways that you can overcome it yes yeah so tell us Um, all about that yeah so oh gosh you know it's overcomable but you got to choose to do it but I look at it like you know Katie whenever I'm experiencing imposter syndrome it's like 
rather than look at it like this really bad thing, like it's your, it's essentially your inner critic and your inner critic is like saying something to you. And rather than look at it as this big dramatic thing and that we need to shut our inner critic up. No, it's, it's a matter of just recognizing it in the moment and saying, you know, using that as an opportunity to grow from that. Right. So rather than say, I feel like a fraud. Um, everyone's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to look into this instead of, I feel like a fraud and I can't do this and I should quit. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so really kind of like just recognizing and acknowledging what you're experiencing is, is a great start. Right. And, and becoming familiar with your inner critic. So when you recognize that you have a system of imposter syndrome, so it's like a tiny voice that releases unhelpful and sometimes hurtful messages inside your head. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it whispers, sometimes it screams, but what do you do when you hear this voice? Um, you, you don't silence it. You don't crush it. You don't banish your inner critic. I suggest you get acquainted with your inner critic. Why is it saying that? Mm -hmm. And understanding what it's saying will give you clear understanding of what you need to do. So I personify mine and mine is, you know, like, what does it say? How does it sound? What does it look like? And ultimately name it, right? Mm, So if you could create a visual picture of your inner critic, you know, mine's a blob. It's not male. It's not female. It's not, it's just this blob that's, you know, says black or white things to me. That's, Mm, you know, it's always in a negative tone. It's always black or white. There's no evidence backing it, right? Mm. Like things like this will never happen for me. I take a moment and I say, oh, I recognize that language. That's my blob talking. Okay. And then I thank the blob. <laughs> hey, thanks for your input. <laughs> yeah. I got it from here. Yeah. But you've got to contemplate, Katie, how is this impacting, you know, others around you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How is, it, I, 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 how is it impacting your identity, your self-worth, your career, social and family life? You know, is it impacting your quality of life and realizing that impact it, it has on other people around you can help you realize the importance of taking action. So I can give you an example. I had some really limiting beliefs around like, you know, food, essentially. Mm -hmm. I always felt like I had to really control everything that went into my food, right? When I'm, when I'm really hitting the gym hard and meal prepping and all of that stuff. And I had this limiting belief that I couldn't go out to eat with my family. So mm. I would literally eat before we would go out to dinner. And, you know, my kids are like, why isn't mommy having ice cream with us? Why right. isn't mommy eating? And I felt like that was something I just didn't want to do anymore. You yeah. know, it was impacting connection with yes. my family. So, you know, you really got to make a commitment and hold yourself accountable And having a mentor that can help you stay the course, especially when the car wants to run off the road and Mm -hmm. run right back to what you're used to, you got to find somebody to share this journey with. And it's got to be someone that can be honest with you who you won't feel judged by. Right. So, you know, will they understand? Have they been through it themselves? Are they reliable? You got to surround yourself with people who make you feel good. Yeah. Wow. So... Am I the only one that's like trying to come up with a name in my head for my imposter syndrome? <laughs> well, it's 
funny because I went to a retreat recently where we drew. It was really funny to see what people drew, but oh it was my just gosh. funny. But um, you know, Katie, imposter syndrome, it's an inside job. Yeah. Right? For sure. And I always say this phrase, do not die in a prison that you have the keys to. Ooh. Oh you my know. gosh. I know, I know. Do not die in a prison that you have the keys to. You are the one doing this to yourself. Amen. And so here are some additional ways to really, like the things that I've described to you, some of these are are external when you talk about like getting help from people. But a lot of this, because it's an inside job, you really have to work from the inside out. So I'm going to give you a couple more examples of things that you can do kind of on your own. Yes, please. But look for ways to heal from within that don't require external support. So I essentially keep a list on my, on my phone of my wins. So let me give you an example. When you're a baby, you don't like right now, you don't remember the painstaking process of what it took to learn to walk. Right. But it took you nine months to, you know, start pushing up and then getting on your knees and eventually crawling and then holding onto a sofa. And then eventually you let go and you fall a bunch of times and then, you walk, right? Wow. So there are things that are happening in your life that you're not giving yourself credit for, right? There's things that you do automatically that you're not giving yourself credit for. Like, Katie, you're, you're a responsible person. You can show up on time. You can, you can do all these things. You're a wonderful mother. There are lots of pieces of proof that you're just not giving yourself credit for. Yeah. And when I speak to you, I'm speaking to all sure, of us in sure. general, but I keep a list on my phone of my wins. So that could look like my neighbor was sick. I took flowers over to her and on my phone, it says I invest in people I care about, right? Yeah. Or I make people feel good. And you just keep that list. So one day when you're feeling down and you're telling yourself all these things that you're not go back to that list and remember what your wins are. Love that. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know if anybody's into this, like this for me was a game changer. I keep this, I, I know your, your listeners can't see this, but can you see this bracelet I have yes. on my yeah. wrist? It's, it's cute. It just looks like a regular bracelet. They're called affirmation beads and typically they have about 106 beads on them. Okay. So I will, when I'm walking my son to and from school, I literally pull my beads off my wrist and I say affirmations to myself and you'd be really surprised at how quickly that can stick with you. So let me give you an example of that. Um, one of my affirmations was, you know, when I started my own business or when I was starting my own business, I had this limiting belief of, well, what would I coach? Who, who would want, who, why me? Like, why would anyone mm -hmm. want to hire me to, to coach? Mm -hmm. Right. And I, my affirmation was, I, I am a great coach because I've been coaching my whole life. I've been yeah. coaching my whole career, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I would say, I'm a great coach. I'm a great coach. And every time I go around the necklace, I hit the little strings that are on yeah. the end. Yeah. And I know I've done 106, but I aim for about 10,000, which sounds like a lot, mm -hmm. but essentially you get through it probably in a week. But yeah. I would catch myself because I use my affirmations are very short and quick. So yeah. like I am a great coach. And when you say that 10 times you or 10,000 times, you start to find rhythm in it. Yeah. And so I would catch myself with this catchy tune in my head, like throughout the day when I'm not even holding my beads, like I'm a great coach. I'm a great coach, you know, That's and amazing. it changes 
it just changes your mood. It changes because you've got so many bad messages in your head. Yes. You've got to replace them with, you got to rewire your brain. So with that being said, this will resonate for you, Katie. You don't go to the gym, do one bicep curl (laughs) and get biceps, right? Right. It's the same. It's the same So every time you say, I am a great coach or whatever your affirmation is, that's one rep, right? Yeah. So if you think about it from a workout perspective, you really gotta you really gotta rewire things. So, um, right. but I would encourage you. It's like finding your affirmation, and if you're having trouble finding your affirmation, one you can Google a list of affirmations. Yeah. Two, go back to the list that you're keeping on your phone mm-hmm. of things that you can actually say that you did yeah. right. And like, I make my neighbor feel good or Mm -hmm. I make people feel good. That's an affirmation. If you go back to that list of your wins, but be careful what you call in. It's kind of like a yoga position. You got to get in just the right position. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're being careful of what you're calling in. Because at one point I had, like I said, I had all these limiting beliefs around food. Yeah. And I kept saying my affirmation at first was I will lose this weight. And it almost felt like a demand. Mm. So I changed will to I am capable of losing this weight. Yeah. See what I mean? Like it just, just, it doesn't feel right. You've got to get into the right position with it. So I love that wording because I mean, you know, I mean, just with the people that you coach and also the people in my world that I coach, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that we have to work through. And even just like what you said, you know, a lot of people who are 50, 60, you know, a hundred pounds overweight, they truly do not believe that they are capable of losing that weight. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting when you just change your mind that you can uh, magic starts to happen. Wow. Oh my gosh, girl. Well, I, I know that all of my listeners are just absolutely going to love this podcast. And I know that so many of them can relate to probably every word that you said. So is there anything that you want to leave us with before we hop off of here? I would just say there's so much on the other side of this. Like, I feel like imposter syndrome is, is worth understanding. Yeah. And you could really kind of dig down into everything that we just talked about, all the categories. Yeah. There's lots of great books out there around imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. but I will just say this at the end of the day, you can listen to all that stuff. You can listen to this podcast. You can listen, you can read books, you can do all that, but you really, it really comes down to being intentional about wanting to make a change and all of these things that I'm recommending as ways of helping, you got to do them. You got to yeah. do them until you get yourself to a place that you can overcome these thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Making a conscious effort to really just want to change. Yeah. Like intentional effort. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Cassie. You know, I just adore you. I adore you. I'm so grateful for you having me on here. Yeah, girl. (laughs) Remind us one more time where we can find you on social media. Yeah. So um, I'm mostly on Instagram. My uh, handle is elevate underscore shift. Awesome. 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 So go 
check her out, you guys. Give her a follow. Um, again, thank you so much for being on here, Cassie, and we'll talk soon. Thank you.